Hey, this is Cody from Wage War, and you're listening to All Things Music. Presented by Liquid Sound Records. Here are your hosts, Ryan Katz and Ian Illyrian. New week, new episode. Welcome to All Things Music. Presented by Liquid Sound Records. I am your host, Ryan Katz, here with Ian Illyrian. What's going on, Ian? Oh, nothing much. All right. Um... First things first, we got a really cool announcement that just happened today. Uh, Danny Wimmer Presents announced it for Sonic Temple, Epicenter, and Louder Than Life. Metallica will be headlining two of three nights. Different sets for each night. Are they going to play like an acoustic set? And then like (laughs) that would be weird, really weird. Um, No, so they're they're playing. Two different sets each night, which is cool because I saw them headline at what was then Rock on the Range uh, back in ooh, 2017, I want to say. And um, it, it the set was really good, but there was a couple songs that I wish I would have heard from them. Um, but having two sets, they can really dive into their entire catalog, which is awesome. Um, and... I mean, let's let's face it. They're they're uh, they're legends. It's the nice way of me saying they're they're getting a little old, but they're legends. And I want to see them as many times as I possibly can before they hang up the the whatever the cleats. It's not sports, but you know what I mean. Um, so having the opportunity to see them twice at one festival is I'm pretty sure unheard of. I've never heard of. You know what? No, I've heard of bands doing that, but it's very uncommon. Um, so if you want your passes, uh, they will be available. Uh, go to sonictemplefestival.com. Um, passes are on sale October 14th. Um, you can pre-order them now with as little or lay layaway um, them now for as little as $20 down. Um, so... Obviously, with a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, epic, legendary band Metallica playing at any of these festivals, they are going to sell very well. So please uh, don't hesitate to get your tickets uh, right away because you do not want to be that person missing out on what is going to amount to something pretty epic, um, in my opinion. So, yeah, I wanted to let everybody know that because that's a big deal. just got announced today at 3 o'clock. So... Pretty neat. Will you be there? Of course. Will <laughs> you be there? Of course. So yeah, yeah, we'll be there uh, uh, covering the event, and uh, it'll be very cool. So um, we're gonna do some segments, and uh, first, let's play "Kill 'Em All." All right, what do I want to kill today? So, um, Corey Taylor just recently mentioned this, and and David Draymond talked about it too. There's really not 
a presence of rock music in the Super Bowl halftime. So Super Bowl halftime has always been about music. Maroon 5. <sighs> no. that's <laughs> and Okay, I should preface that because Red Hot Chili Peppers did play uh, a few Maroon years ago. Maroon 5 and Red Hot Chili Peppers are like... No, but I like Red Hot Chili Peppers. My point is when Red Hot Chili Peppers played, they didn't play. They faked everything. And it probably wasn't right. their choice. They, Because you could tell Flea was not playing what he was playing and uh the everything was just really not authentic and that doesn't count so and prince doesn't count because prince is more pop than rock um right which i still believe that is the best halftime show that the super bowl has ever had it's prince man Um, right uh but really it's it's a shame because we always get these uh canned acts i guess it's like the act that whoever and this is why I say kill them all I want to kill whoever the, the the programmer is for the Super Bowl halftime shows as far as the talent buyer because it seems they always go and pick someone that and I get it that will appease everybody but it's not focused at all so like except for you right what do you mean appease everybody except except for, for people like us correct. right <laughs> um now I did think what what they did really cool this year was uh since the Super Bowl is in Miami, they picked Jennifer Lopez and Shakira, both, right? You know, Puerto Rican, Cuban, whatever. And Miami has the the big uh, concentration of of that ethnicity in that area, Unity. so they really yeah. it makes sense. So, like, I think it was a year or two ago when they were in Atlanta, and like you could pick so many good people in Atlanta because hell, it's it's the hip hop capital of the of the world. And they, I think that I think it might have been Rune Five, and people are like, really. Rune five, um, yeah, it didn't not, uh, it didn't float over too well. No, so for, for anybody, I, I mean. think that's part of it. I think they need to realize where they're at, and and then go from there. I don't know if it's going to take the Super Bowl being in Cleveland for them to pick rock. <laughs> It'll never be in. Cleveland. That's not necessarily true. So <laughs> they, a couple, I, I, almost ten years ago now, I want to say they did their first cold weather Super Bowl in uh, New York, New York Jets Stadium, right. Giants Jets Stadium, Midlands, um, and. I'm sure Cleveland is far down the list of choices because I'm like they'll probably do Green Bay before they do Cleveland because that's just a legendary place, Lambeau Field. Um, there's there's probably other places, but I think regardless, the whole thing came up because David Draymond said he would love to sing the national anthem, the lead singer of Disturbed. Someone did like a comment like, "Oh, say can you?" <laughs> it's like, yeah, um, but. Uh, I think that, I think he's got the voice for it. He's very operatic, and that's what it takes to sing the national anthem. So, so what'd they say? I I don't remember because there's I think there's a petition. I think that's how it all starts. Some fan makes a petition, and then it gains enough steam where the act notices that, and then they go over and and uh, it it goes into other realms. Because Corey Taylor commented on, it. he said, not only should David Draymond sing the national anthem, but there just needs to be more rock, more metal in 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 the Super Bowl, and it's funny because a long time ago, I I always try to like look at things differently, I guess, and like right. I'm like, what music makes the most sense with football? If you had to pair a music, and I think metal because it's such a violent game, and you know, metal is very aggressive. I don't know. I mean, hip hop too. I, and, I feel like hip hop and rock. Yeah, because and if you look it, at it, Mad- all boils down to demographics. Yeah, it does. And if you look at the Madden soundtracks every year, you know mm-hmm. the video games, and, and and they're always either hip hop or metal or both. Like it's a combination right. because that's 
that's what it's all about. That's you could argue I, country because, yeah, you know, you're good old boys right. going down Friday Night Lights and all that. But I really think that they need to focus on on making it more of a uh, uh, coalesced thing. Yes, yeah. exactly. So um, that's my opinion. I think that whoever's running the talent buying at uh, the NFL needs to step aside for someone who's not going to book the top 40 act every time. Well, just kind of on a, a little bit different note, but kind of relatively same. It's like, you know, when you go to like a car meet or something, because you and I are both into sure. cars. Um, and like if you play Forza Horizon or any car game, it's all electronic music. When yeah. you go to the, to the, the car or, meet. Or reggaeton. Yeah, well, it's... That's the same thing, kind of. Uh, you can argue, but you're, we're talking about the yeah, genre but I, police. But I think we are genre I'm genre making police. a generalized statement. Reggaeton is much more closer to tropical and reggae and stuff. Oh, my it. God. Yeah, it is. Dude, Unless you're talking about like a Kygo, and then that's a good fusion your, of both. Where's the fucking handcuffs at, man? You're going to arrest me? I am. <laughs> no, but I, I get what you're saying. There's def- definitely something that sets a mood, and it goes just boils right. down to DJing in general and like setting a mood for something. So when you go and you have this this extremely intense game and then oh Justin Bieber's going to sing oh, fuck it's no. like it, it it almost kills the vibe yeah. of what and yes i understand not everybody who watches the super bowl are football fans i think almost everybody watches like it's just it's like kind of like a holiday you know even if you're not into sports ball uh, you watch the super bowl just cuz it's like a tradition right. you get wings you get beer you do whatever um so i understand why they're trying to appeal to so many people because there's more people that watch that event than I believe any other event in at least in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I get that and I understand ad revenue and all these things. But if you if you were if you do you really think ad revenue would go down if Metallica played the halftime show? I don't. Well let me let me ask you a question. These people that sit in these offices mm. and all they see is numbers. Right. You know, and, and they're having a board meeting about who's going to play the Super Bowl because you know that's what it is. Sure. A fucking board meeting. Yeah. Now, what kind of people sitting in a board meeting wearing suit and yes. ties are going to be... Exactly. <laughs> how, how are you... It, there's no way for you to sit here and even dream about it because these people wearing these suit and ties don't give a fuck. So, okay, to really understand this is, is how much money the NFL makes, which is just exorbitant amounts. Oh, I know. More than so many just countries yeah. make money. Um, it honestly wouldn't hurt them, whoever's doing the books, to say, okay, let's try this once and then... If we, for whatever reason, see a negative pattern, it's all you do. Try it once. Yeah, but they don't want to try it once because it'll, if if it has a potential to fuck their numbers up, they don't want that to happen. Well, I know because, because they're talking about they, millions. Well, they, they answer you're, to somebody you're too. You're talking about millions of and dollars. And they answered, and so they're like, "Oh, I don't want to do this because right. I'll get in trouble." And and, and, and no suit and tie is going to sit here and say, even if it is their guilty pleasure, they're like, "Man, sitting that board meeting thinking." Man, I wish I could have Slipknot or Disturb play. Right, and we're not saying we're we're gonna want Cannibal Corpse or Behemoth or somebody like that to play the halftime show. That's ridiculous. We understand that that is unrealistic I do. and Infinite okay, Annihilator. I mean, man, really want to, but the point <laughs> being, we just know that 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 realism is just not in existence. But if you take a commercial name, and no, I'm not talking about Nickelback. You know, I, I, <laughs> yeah, you, if you are. take no, no, no. Like take, and I guess. Breaking yes, Benjamin. Let's, let's be honest with ourselves here. I hate Nickelback as much as the next guy, but if Nickelback did perform the Super Bowl halftime show, I'm sure it would be a wild success. It'd be a step in the right track for you. 
for me or for the what you're trying to get so at. So see, here's where yeah, and this is where I think they they had their chance. Lincoln Park would have been perfect because that is yeah. a group that fuses both top 40 and rap and, rap and, and, and new metal and right. all that stuff together. I think that would have been great, but unfortunately that time has passed. Um just finding a group like that. And I don't really know the answer um besides a Metallica. I think Metallica would be great. Maybe Next time they have it at Levi Stadium in San Francisco, that that's something they could do because that's you know Metallica's they, Metallica's done the national anthem for the San Francisco Giants, like so that's if they can do that. Yeah, but we're talking. I know it's a bigger scale. Yeah, but I just hope that that they're not boxing them being the NFL is not boxing themselves in so much to where there's just a complete lack of variety because let's be honest i don't know how there much there already is well i don't know how much of the, as hell. yeah and i don't know how much of the halftime shows you watch every year i don't know how much super bowl I, you watch i don't every watch year. them i hear about them and that's enough so every year it's gone down like right. i think after prince it's just gone gotten worse and worse and worse and worse and it seems very force fed like it doesn't seem like they're just doing like okay it used to be all right we're gonna take this group i think whitney houston did halftime once and they're like, okay, Whitney Houston, go ahead and and just perform halftime. Like, boom, and it was all that's all it was, and it was great because that's what people came to see was a performance. Now it's like, oh, we need we need these people in these costumes, and we need these balloons falling at this point. Oh, when we can't have the the drums actually mic'd up because what if something happens with timing and the lights? And it's like, enough. Like, just let us see a musical performance. Right. What it used to be. So, and I just think that's just been saturated. It's kind of so like much. when you record a record, but you take all the fuck ups out of the record yep. recording. Exactly. It's not an authentic record. Yeah, but at the same, t- like, what kind of fuck ups are we talking about? Well, like, like, like real minor stuff that that makes it a musical performance sure. to listen to instead yeah. of instead of something that's so like if you perfect. pick every little thing. Let's yeah. say there's a pick noise in a guitar, and you just yeah. you're like that, uh, that know, type like, of yeah. stuff. Like exactly like. Like super super minor stuff that gives it authentic authentic. Uh, I can't talk. Authentic. The authentic C. Hooked on phonics works. Jesus for me. Christ, it's been a long day. <laughs> um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, no, I think we agree on that. So, um, our next segment is questions. What a stupid question that is. What a stupid question. But I watch you a lot. You ask a lot of stupid questions. So. This question is actually from me because I, I I've, I've been wanting to ask this and I haven't had a chance to. Um, this should be good. Yeah, I, I think it will be because one of the things that's very important for bands, artists, and DJs, literally anybody who does music, is marketing. And the best way to market yourself is, especially starting out, and to give yourself some legitimacy, um, is a good photo shoot. Everybody needs a good oh, photo shoot. Oh boy! No, it's true. I mean, you're, when I was a Kuma, I did a Kuma shoots. I, I did shoots for my band. Uh, you know, you can you can do photo shoots for anything because for social media, no one wants to see some half-assed graphic design up there. It'd be great to see, you know, uh, some some depth with uh, good settings and everything. So my question to you, and and I, I have some answers as well, but what are some of the do's and don'ts of photo shoots? Oh man, oh this is good. Because and if Justin was on here, he'd be telling me my little. Uh, uh, railroad shot that I did with Akuma that he always makes. Or fun that of me girl for. you had with the booty shot. <laughs> uh, oh, that was my second <laughs> shoot. What's wrong with that? That's sex appeal. I mean, no, no, it's no. kind of cheesy, but well, okay, I'm not talking. <laughs> yeah, I get it. 
I do understand that. <laughs> but at the same time, I sold those because people were like, damn, they look good on her. They look even better on me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I mean, I get it. It just. Sure. <laughs> what are some other things that like you you, you um, notice from people? So this is actually funny you mentioned this because recently, for whatever reason, in my Facebook, um, I've been getting nothing but friend suggestions. You know, like you have the suggestion mm-hmm. part. Um, for people that are in music, in bands, specifically mm-hmm. real bands. My old stuff used to be nothing but DJs and girls. Sure. Now it's just dudes in bands. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I notice, a common theme, is in their profile picture, it's obviously them usually playing their instrument. And if, and either way, if it's not, it's it's the coloring in the pictures are really fucking weird. Yes. Like very oversaturated. Well, especially if it's a live shot, then that's not necessarily something they can do about because just the lighting, the way the things it's, are angled. But, but it's just, to me, personally, it's like, hey, look, I'm in a band. Like yeah. I'm, I'm automatically What's cool. wrong with being proud of, of that? Though? And there's not, nothing wrong with being proud of it. It just, I feel like, how do I explain this properly? Maybe I'm a little jaded. But I feel like in order to sell your product, you first need to sell yourself. And if you just kind of like, hey, all my pictures are, are me and my band, you're not really selling yourself. Okay. You're, you're straight out coming to the gate selling your product. So let's flip that around. What are the do's then? What are some things you can do to re- rectify that situation? That situation, I just say have a normal freaking picture and then engage with people. Mm-hmm. And... You know, obviously you can post pictures of your band. I'm not saying that you can't. But like, or, you know, you play your instrument. I do sure. all the time. Um, but it's it's usually something that makes me seem a little less straightforward with it. Okay. Like I'm actually enjoying myself. So, <laughs> so. The, the, what, what I've learned, because I, I, I've done what you're talking about, because we get a lot of shots done when we're playing live. Just there's no photographers there and such. Um the best way to do it is if you do have a shot of you with your instrument, make sure it's one that looks larger than life, like a big deal. Yes. Because that, I've gotten friend requests from from like people who are guitarists and bands. And normally when I like see a photo that's like, it's not just like your local gig type of thing. Right. I'm more inclined to go to that person's page and be like, Okay, so maybe right. this band is real. Like this is a legitimate thing, not just a, a local group. So maybe just don't look local would be your best. Yeah, and I think part of the problem is they, they do these close-ups of them on stage, and it just seems screams to me, "Hey, I'm self-absorbed." Yeah, instead of a whole band or yeah, um, it yeah. just to me, I it just doesn't feel authentic, and right. and I'm like, dude, this guy, if I try to talk to him, is gonna give me the spiel and be like, "Oh, listen to my music." No, dude, it's not about that. You know, sure. I mean. In no, I understand. There's a preconceived notion there because, yes, a lot of people will end up yes. doing that. Hell, the worst thing in the world is when uh, you accept somebody's friend request and they literally immediately invite you to like their page. Oh, it's, my God. Like, really? Dude. So you literally took a concerted effort to yeah. a- to send me a request. And then as soon as you got that notification that I accepted it, you went to your page and you did all that work to invite me to your page. Yeah. Like that's... It's just self-absorbed, yeah, and, and it's annoying. Now, at the same token, I'm never gonna not like a page. I think that if you're not liking pages are lazy, if someone's gonna do that, then I'll I'll like it. But that doesn't mean I'm going to like look at it. So another thing that with bands, and I don't even know if I can give a solvent to this, 
But all their cover pictures, all the time, mm-hmm. and they're all the same. Are them standing there in woods or in front of a fucking brick wall? Sounds and like us. Their hand and they're staggered. You know, got the same yep. pattern, and their hands are in front, down, or you know, it's like, so, dude. Yes, I understand. It's not that fucking I think it, serious. Well, I think it also depends on your genre. Certain genres should be taken more dude, seriously than others. I, I don't know, man. But but <laughs> what what we have now, which I like a lot more, is a still from our music video, and that goes into the next thing. You got to invest in a music video. Or they're not cheap. But when you have like that good of a quality, because when you have a quality music video, you can get a still from it that looks like a photo shoot. Well, yeah, I know and that. it's really right. well done. So that's I think that's a, a better option. Yeah, it just to, to me, the photo shoot shit's overrated, man. Honestly, I disagree. I, I think that I, you need, but it has to be done right. Because if you have a good one and you you take that content and you and you you know put it properly on your social media accounts rather than just a banner that says your band name or whatever right. you will garner a lot more validity because people are like, okay this is real well yeah i agree with that it just i wish there was a better way to do it because a, a different way because honestly as an outsider you know i don't have a band i make all my own music and everything mm-hmm. i do all my own shit but when i see I, you know, especially these people that have been showing up my suggested sure. friends, I look at them and every single fucking one of them are mm-hmm. the same. It yes. looks like a different person, but the same exact well, that's, fucking picture. And that's the and thing. That's, and, and a different band, but the same picture in the same place. When you're local, you don't have those opportunities to get that content yet. So you got to work with what you work with. Honestly, the best uh, cover photo you can have is one when you're playing a festival and a massive crowd behind you. Yeah. Like that's... Because people, uh, that, like, well, holy shit, all yeah. right. But not everybody has that, that ability to do that. So. so so do we have a suggestion? Can we come up with a suggestion between the shit. two of us to yeah. remedies? Stay I don't, tuned next episode because that's a thinker. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that is definitely <laughs> a thinker. I think you just have to play the game, uh, you know, with, with what you're given. But uh, all right, on to some fact or fiction. I can't tell facts from fiction. All right, Ian. Fact or fiction, wearing your own band, artist, or DJ shirt to a concert or event is taboo. That's you, man. Um, Well, that's why I bring it up. It is very, I would say yes. Okay, why? It goes back to personally me thinking that, damn, this guy's wearing his own shirt. He's self-absorbed. But do you not see see the marketing aspect of it? No, I don't. Because, again, marketing is... Doing marketing, there's a right way to do marketing and there's a wrong way to sure. do marketing. If you're marketing yourself by wearing your own shit, to me, that's like, okay, this guy, you know, is just kind of self-absorbed. So I, he's wearing, I mean, he's wearing his own stuff. Okay, so the other thing, the, the flip side of that is when you go to a festival or a show sure. or whatever, everybody has a shirt that's kind of like a statement. Like, this is my my drip, as Ian would say. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> It's but you you you. Let's be real. Let's be honest humans here. Mm-hmm. When you pick out your outfit for a festival, you are consciously picking something for a particular reason, whether it's your shirt or or something else entirely. Yeah, whether well, it's something edgy or something you just want to represent. Yeah, you're pretty much doing that branding. Um, sure. right, exactly. 
And I think that's the same with, with your own stuff because when you're, when, at least for me, and I could be the only one I'm, that does this, but I seriously doubt it. When I'm at a festival, I'm looking at everybody's shirt because I, I want to see what, what people like, right. what people are into, what, what is uh, interesting and, and I agree. whatnot. So if someone sees me wearing, for example, an Audience of Rain t-shirt, that might intrigue them. What's Audience of Rain? Especially if it's a cool, cool design to it. So they might go to Google and just type in Audience of Rain. Boom. That I just, I just at least reached someone. So let me, let me say this. I feel like wearing your own band shirt is is better than if you were to wear your own DJ shirt. Because as a DJ, you're one, and as a band, you're multiple. Exactly. Okay. And I've and I've known I you to that. do both. So I used to wear Akuma shirts, but only when I performed. Okay, and that was just kind of like a. I still think that's weird, but it's not it's at least weird. better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not by much in my book. That's <laughs> fine. Uh, you know, I I never knew what to wear to those things, and raves are a double edged sword because yeah. at one hand you you there is you literally cannot embarrass yourself at a rave because there's always gonna be someone that looks stupider than you, but at the same time there's a lot of judgment whether they say there is or not. There there <laughs> is. There definitely is. I people. I feel like because I was definitely an outsider to that to that culture, right. not from the music, but from the culture, and I could tell people knew that I stuck out like a sore thumb. I, I feel like it's gotten worse over the last couple of years yeah. because it's became more mainstream, and the cool thing to do is now you get all these preppy kids to go there. That Ugh. you know what I mean? Frat boy before. Types? Before, when I first started DJing, it wasn't like that at all. Sure. You could look like however the fuck you want to yeah. look like, and that's what the rave culture is about. That's and why I like it so very much. Very much but body now, positivity as well, definitely. Right, And but now it's a different story. Yeah. Currently. Okay. That's where that comes into that play. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, I would say, yeah, if you're, if you know, jump back to the topic, if you're in a band, I feel like wearing a shirt subtly Yes. Is... I wasn't wearing it as my own... I, I, I actually think bands that wear their own shirts when they're performing is taboo. Yes. Because people already know who you are. You're up there. Right. But it's weird. Yeah. But if you're wearing it, you know, just chilling out, um, oh, I feel like you're I think promoting another good point. Go ahead. I but, feel like you're promoting yourself and your friends that are involved in the project. Yes. Um, you know, like if I had a band, which I kind of do right now, I would probably wear my shirt just chilling out, you know, if we're yes. like recording or something or maybe even hell even go I'm going to wear festival. my shirt to Nam, that's for that's for yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean that's that's fine right. cuz you're promoting you and your friends. But yes. if you're like, "Oh, I'm wearing my own DJ shirt. I'm I'm cool, you know." Sure. Nah. So here's the other thing that I just thought of that is really interesting is when when you're at to put it in perspective for everybody, and we're talking about raves versus versus local band shows here when you're at a rave there's so many raves i mean there's a lot of raves weekly that happen you're again we've talked about going for the experience more than the music so you're not really and i'm speaking from the casual goer not us you're not really paying attention to who's on the bill at least the bottom of the bill you might you might care about the headliner maybe the direct support but that's about it so when i wore akuma as a dj i did that to to kind of let people know that's who's up there because People don't really know that in that right. small rave community. They just kind of go for the experience. Oh, who are you? I got it so many times when I wasn't wearing Who are you again? It's just something that that's, that's you don't have a, a kick drum with a logo on it. You don't have, you know, I, that's why I had my laptop with my uh, logo over it. It's just something to let people know this is who's up there right now. As a band, when you're doing a local gig, 
I think people are a lot more aware of of the lineup. Of who you are. Yeah. I feel like, you know, and maybe that's the difference of genres and the difference of of scenes, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, People I've noticed in the rock metal scene are a lot more aware. Yes. People that go to raves want to do drugs. It's an experience. And and it's an experience. And we... yeah, an experience. I'd it's like kind of going, I mean, there's more to it, but it's kind of going to the club right. and just dancing. Like, you're not really thinking about yeah. much else. And, and you go for the experience. We talked about this yeah. when, you know, on the way back from our trip yeah. from Modern Life. You know, it's like comparing Modern Life to something like Lost Lands. You go to Lost Lands really for the experience, the lighting, the dinosaurs, all the crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Louder Life is almost like going to a nice resort with music, and you know who everybody is that's playing. Absolutely. You know, even at, even at, when I go to Lost Lands, I know a, pretty much all those artists, but every once in a while, there was like an artist where I'm like, who is that? Yeah. You know sure. what I mean? Modern Life, you know everybody's going to be there. I think there's only maybe two or three artists where I'm like, who is that playing? Yeah, right. And exactly. they were like literally the opening local band. Yes. And there's also enough variety musically where you have to pay attention because you're like, wow, that doesn't sound like that last guy. Where I'm not saying there's no variety at Lost Lands, but you could have dubstep and then dubstep and then dubstep and then dubstep. I'm sure they do that. Right. All, all the main, you know, after the first eighth yeah. of the show. It's like it's bass music. This, it's... Yeah, and, and and they're actually most DJs play the same fucking tracks. So that is play. exactly why I wanted the patrons to be like, okay, that's who this is because I could be very well, and I know I wasn't because I did a lot of unique things, but I could very well be playing a lot of other stuff that somebody else on the bill was doing, and I just was like, okay, this is this is Akuma time. Here's right. how you know. Um, so I think that that kind of Akuma it. time. Akuma, it's Akuma time. Ba, ba, ba. <laughs> that would have been like a cool uh, drop. Yeah, it's Akuma time. Oh <laughs> no, man, that's totally that's cheesy, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm not in it anymore. Uh, next factor fiction. Music videos are still relevant. Fact or fiction? No. Um, fact or fiction? <laughs> you did this before. <laughs> fiction. Fiction. <laughs> okay, why are music videos no longer relevant? So this goes back to changing times. Um, now there's streaming services. You know, you can get whatever you want to listen to on demand then. The only real reason to listen to music videos, you know, even five years ago, is the fact that if you wanted to listen to something on demand at that time, that was really the only real way to do do it sure um but are without you, buying anything but are you saying as fiction that music videos no longer serve any kind of purpose they're not there yet but i do believe it will be a thing i mean i the last i i could literally not tell you mm-hmm. personally and i'm like to feel like i'm pretty tech forward mm-hmm. and um on top of things and stuff like sure. that progressive i cannot tell you the last time that me or really anybody that I know in my group of friends that have watched a music video. Okay. I'll be honest with you. I yeah. haven't even watched yours. All right. No, because it's just, but yeah. I've, but I've listened to all your stuff so on Spotify. Here is the, here's why I'm going to say fact. And it has very little to do with the video itself because I am looking at it from a, again, a marketing perspective Let's say someone at a festival sees my shirt that says Audience of Rain. Right. And the first thing they do is go to YouTube and they type in my name or the band's name. And 
it's a much bigger impression if they see that I have a Vivo video or, yeah. or you know, it's a much more serious impression like, oh, wow, this isn't just some local band with some some lyric video or something on there. This is like a legitimate group. So I think that is why it's important because when you make a first impression with any kind of fan base or talent buyer or sponsor or label, I think they want to see those things done because they know that you have a good head on your well, shoulders sure. and you know what you're doing. From from a standpoint of A&R, yeah. but, but... That's why I think they will me, never become irrelevant. Let me... Let me turn something on the flip side. Um, YouTube. Honestly, I can't even tell you the last time I even heard the name Vivo. When you first said Vivo, I had to think about it for a second. I was like, oh yeah, that's Vivo. I haven't even heard of that in like two years because mm-hmm. nobody talks about it. By the way, I think David might be here. Also, <laughs> um, YouTube, you just, to fini- yeah, just, okay. to f- just to finish this topic real quick. Yeah. YouTube Red or Go, whatever the hell yeah. it is. Red. You can close the app yes, you can. to listen to the music without bold. watching yes. the video. You might want to check your phone. Why do you I think don't they leave, did that? Uh, David out there, but we have, a, uh, we have a guest coming up for our next episode that we're going to... Uh, uh, record today possibly that might be uh at the house but uh well why don't you give him a call and we can we can uh rock this but yeah so while my co-host is is making sure that i'm not locking a friend out out of the house here um i think ian has some very good points in regards to yes they are not featured on vh1 on mtv mtv2 um. Oh, uh, what else is on there? Fuse, uh, music choice. I think they still are. I think they're they're on there from like four a.m. to eight a.m. But let's be real, you might only watch that when you are uh, on your way to work and stuff. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I I I think they're still relevant because they they serve a big marketing aspect to everything. So, all right, on to the next question. So, factor fiction. Having friends and girlfriends in the studio is distracting. Do they have their shirts off? Uh huh. Well, that would be extra <laughs> distracting. Hell yeah. Okay. Um. What, oh man. Well, yes, I would yes say. Yes, what? Fact or fiction? <laughs> You've got to get you Fact, on that, man. All right. All right. Fact. Because dude's got a one-way track mind. Let's be realistic. You got a one-way track mind. Would you say that? I don't know Fact what that or means. Fact fiction. Like, like. You it's it's you can't multitask much. Oh, I am an awful multitasker. So so boom, there you go. Yeah, fact. Yeah, definitely. So it's yeah, but okay. If it's a band, you might not. It might not be me tracking guitars that day. It might be drums day, and you know my buddy's just there to give me some feedback or whatever. You know. Well, if it's something like that, but if you're in a writing creative process, sure, and. If you're really like deep in the mixing process, I think it's best to have absolutely no potential Correct. distractions. I at think all. it just depends whether on whether it be when. phones, girlfriends. Uh, if you feel like going to Barnes and Noble earlier before the studio session and what? you got a book, leave it. You know, you're there you to know write. A member of Oprah's you, book club, huh? Huh? Oprah's book club. You are? No, are you? You, you seem like I didn't a even reader. know that was a fucking. Thing. Oh my god. I read a lot. Okay, yeah. I was gonna say, you seem like a, a reader. Uh, yeah. Brought up Barnes & Noble in a music podcast. I was just there two days ago. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Um, no, I see what you're saying. Um, I think it all depends on who. 
as well. Like, let's say you have a music mentor. That's okay. Well, that's different. Okay, dude. That's that's like... But if you're bringing, like, your wife and a crying child or... No. You know, something like right. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Leave it. At, leave that shit at home. Yep. Be there to work. And you almost got to sometimes... And are you I very much ch- about the no cell phone rule? Dude, like sometimes at dinner when my friends are I, <laughs> I and I are out dinner, they're they're on their on their fucking phones. Like, dude, we're here to yeah. eat and then hang out, which so, we don't get to do that. Can much. I point out something ironic Put about that? Put your shit on the fucking can, table. Can I point out something really ironic about what? that? It's it's a little bit of a roast here, but oh, I know what the you're last couple of concerts Ian and I have been to, he's been totally on his phone for at least half of the acts. Huh? You've been on your phone, dude. Dude, when we well, were it's not like war, I could talk to you. <laughs> No, but like you're not even watching the band. I had fucking de- deafening, uh, ringing in my ears for three days after that. But what's that have to do with you being on your phone? I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying you might be guilty of what you're preaching a little bit. I'm definitely not. I love. I, I'm not saying you do this every time, but at least some of the times that I've been with you that that we. Oh, I I got a problem. Definitely. That's, that's how I recognize it. I don't know if it's, it. if it's talking to Marie or talking to to whomever about whatever, but right. it's like he and the band's up there, man. Yeah, but you man. enjoy yourself, so it's no big deal. Hey, man. Yeah. As long as I got a Jack and Coke in my hand and my phone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So um, now the moment everybody's been waiting for, we had the chance, the privilege to interview Cody Quistad from Wage War. He is the um, clean vocalist and guitarist, very talented guitarist. We talk about a lot of really cool technical things, um, talk about their new album, Pressures, uh, Pressure, excuse me. Um, we talk about uh, a lot. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. So um, here is our interview with Cody Quistad from Wage War. All right, we're here with Cody from Wage War in the home of rock and roll, Cleveland, Ohio, at the Fantasy Theater. Um, tell me about last night, because uh, from all of the social media that I saw, uh, it was just uh, an incredible. Maybe the pinnacle so far yeah. of everything? So, I feel like I woke up this morning and I was just like, I literally peeked open, Chris, who's a bass player, I peeked open, peeked open his bunker and I go, hey, did last night happen? Because <laughs> it was just insane. So, there's a couple things that made last night special. So, it was our biggest headliner to date, mm-hmm. which was, um, you know, super, super big for us. Um, and secondly, so growing up, I, we're all from Florida, and the venue that I went and saw all my favorite bands at uh, was House of Blues Orlando. So to be headlining a House of Blues in general was just like, next like, level, yeah, it was next level. And like, um, and we're on this tour, we're and we end the tour at House of Blues Orlando. So I will really be crying my eyes out that night. But uh, last night was super special, man. We we were the one spot. Uh, on a tour in 2015 in that venue and it was the coolest thing ever to me and that was the first time I ever saw a kid wearing a wage war shirt singing words and so full circle full circle yeah. and to be there last night and just know that like like that was our show was just insane man so dude we're, we're just grateful and we're, we're thankful that um, that we got that opportunity and you know hopefully it comes around a lot more often as the city after yeah. the date after I'm always like yeah. What do we do now? Like, how do we top that? You yeah, know? you know, and, and tonight will be cool. It's a completely different vibe. You yeah. know, this is a, it's about half the size of last night. Mm-hmm. Um, sold out, though. Sold out. Yeah, it's sold out. So it's going to be sick. It'll um, be the only place with a pirate ship. Uh, yeah. Guaranteed. In the room. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. 
No, it, tonight will be sick, man. We we have a love for everything. Obviously, we grew up playing the intimate shows, no barricade, like just roughing it with everybody. So we got we got love for that too. It's just it's a different thing, and um, you know I feel like tonight will be every bit as fun as last night. It's just different. Sure. Yeah. Um. So pressure. Yeah. Obviously, still rather new to mm -hmm. everybody. Um, the first thing I took away was you got a lot more time on vocals than in I would say. The other two projects sure that be accurate was there was there discussion of that beforehand or was it just something that kind of happened in the writing process um kind of both things and I think another thing that people don't realize about the record is that a lot of the singing is also written um, so you know the record is really like I feel like I sing just about as much as I do on all the other records hmm. but there's more singing on the record that is not me um, you know I do have some songs on this record so hurt and yep. Me Against Myself are, are predominantly my songs, but pretty much everything else, I mean, Grave is predominantly Britain, uh, Prison is predominantly And you Britain. would have fooled me, because we would listen to it all the way up, too, yeah, just, right. to, just to get reacquainted sure. with it. And, uh, I, I, I knew he could sing before, because yeah. he did stuff on, on the other projects, mm -hmm. but um, I don't know, maybe that's just a growth of his voice, too. Yeah, dude, he stepped up to the plate. Um, you know, I was, we, I was writing for this record, and... Um, you know, when, when we were, you know, talking about things that we wanted to do, Britain's like, dude, like, you know, like he had, previously he had parts on Gravity, mm -hmm. uh, on Dead Weight, and uh, Never Enough on Dead Weight, mm -hmm. and then on uh, Blueprints, he does like the verses of Enemy and like the first little like pre-verse thing on Blueprints, and uh, he was like, dude, this is something I really want to work on, and I was like, dude, like, if you want it, like, show me basically, and right. he. Uh, I remember the first day of like vocal track, and we did Grave, which is the song that um, has is probably the mo one of the most melodic on the album. Mm -hmm. It's it's still like heavy, but it's like basically melodic vocals all the time. Right. And he just stepped up and like knocked out the first verse in like five minutes, and I was just like, "You're Yo. like, damn." Yeah, exactly. Like I was just like so blown away, and to um, to be at a place where you know Britain is you know obviously already an amazing like heavy vocalist, mm -hmm. like he can do. The high stuff, the low stuff. Like he can basically emulate anything if he wants to. Uh, and for him to step up and in, into this uh, season of like growth for him, I feel like was super sick. And so now we just kind of have this. We're at this place where I feel like we can just do a lot. Yeah, and um, it shows. I mean, yeah. you have songs that I could honestly hear. I don't want to say on top forty, but you know they're much sure. more yeah like, commercial based. And then you, you you don't forget your roots, and you do songs like Fury. Yep. Uh, oh fuck! What's the other one? That's Ghost. Ghost, yep. thank you. Um, and uh, even the line, which is a uh, really cool tune. Yeah, it's like kind of a mix of all that. And that's the, that was the goal, man. Um, I feel like we were in danger of making the same record three times, and I don't think anybody wants to do that. Uh, and you're just kind of at a place where it's like, you are going to lose fans both ways. If yeah. you make the same record again yeah. that everybody can predict, then they're going to be like, this is boring, I don't want to listen to this. Sure. And if you dare to be different and make something that is maybe a little scary or... Um, experimental for your band then people uh, you know automatically will be like oh you know oh this band changed too much I don't like them anymore whatever Bring me their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think what they did is awesome um, but you know there, there are bands that that have done it maybe not the right way but we really tried to find that middle ground of just like right. here are the songs that satisfy this fan base here are the songs that satisfy this fan base because um, we've always had a strong sense of melody in our band. From record one, it's like never been a secret that we like melody and, and choruses and no, stuff. Of course. And we just maximized all those things. Like, we have our heavy songs, our light songs, and here's just a bunch of new stuff that we tried to, like, 
we were into it and hopefully everyone else is too. I think the, the biggest mistake that, so it's never, it, it's never wrong for a band to evolve their sound or maybe go less heavy or maybe sure. do different things. I think the biggest mistake that the bands make, some of them, not all of them, yeah. uh, make that go that route is they don't pay homage to their old music. Sure. So uh, there's a certain band that I have in mind, and I'm not going to say the name, but they, their first two albums were had a very signature sound, sure. and then they went and did a lot of commercial things, which is great, good, good for them, and, and it's good to have variety, but they completely ignore that era of their time. And I think what some bands forget is like, that core fan base that you made early on came from that era. So mm-hmm. like, right. like it's good to like, I hate to use the word appease, but you know, yeah. just kind of play to both fan bases. Yeah. And, and I think some bands forget that and that old fan base gets really cynical about that band yeah. and, and it just it gets really muddy. Well, dude, what, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, and none of us are, are blind to this, it's just like, we're always going to be a heavy band. Mm-hmm. Like no, no matter what we do, like, you know, I, I know that our band is not going to be a pop band. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like we we love heavy music. That's why we started this. We're going to grow. We're going to evolve. We're going to make you know different styles and different things happen. But at the end of the day, like we're always going to be the band that you can come see and hear Stitch or The River or exactly. Low or whatever. Like you know what I mean? Like we'll have songs that are different, mm-hmm. and uh, and we're very proud of those songs. And I think that they'll be uh, that they'll be. Um, you know, they'll just we'll see how they turn out as as we go. But at where we were uh, in February and March of this year is like is what pressure was. So. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, you know, when you say about you being such a heavy band, and the reason why I no pun here gravitated towards uh-huh. Rage War. Yeah, I'm good with my dad jokes lately, but uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I just had a, a daughter two months ago. So oh, congratulations up on my on yeah. my dad repertoire. Yeah, mine as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think what attracted me as a a guitarist, a lifelong guitarist to you guys was I've never heard as clean of a dirty tone, if that makes sense. Yeah. So like and and, and I want to touch on the tunings here in a minute, but yeah. how do you get that it's just so powerful, it's not mm-hmm. muddy, it's very direct tone yeah. that I, I just don't see a whole lot of other bands have. It's almost your signature, mm-hmm. uh, especially in those lower notes, those gentier sounds. Yeah. So just pure. So I track all the guitars on the record, and I play really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always like my guitar like mantra, or whatever is like I want to use as little gain as possible without sounding like okay. completely like like a weird like tube overdrive tone. So yes. uh, we use Kemper now, um, but the profiles that we're using are the 5153 50 yep. watts, um, and that's what we had before we got the Kempers. We just had the 50 watt version. Um, and we just work with it. Like Seth plays a little bit lighter than I do, so we tweak with that. But dude, my gain's only at like I don't know, like twelve o'clock or something like that. Like really? I just pick so hard, and uh, it's just part of part of our sound. And a what lot gauge of, strings do you run? Uh, twelve, uh, twelve, sixteen, twenty-two wound, uh, thirty-two, forty-four, eighty. Jesus, eighty. So I, I have a. a a baritone, a Chapman baritone, and I, yeah. I, I think that's thick with my 64 on there. Yeah. You got 80. That's What, what made you want to uh, go with just a six-string converted to play that low? I mean, people uh, can go all different ways, seven strings, baritone. Yeah, seems like we had seven unique. strings when we were starting out, and it was just such a hassle uh, switching between six strings and seven strings. Um, 
and uh, I think I look pretty goofy with a baritone for whatever reason. Dude, pretty, I do too. It's a pretty vain answer. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I feel like anytime I put on a baritone guitar, I was just like, man, I look so weird. Like, I don't know if it's just my body style or whatever it is. So, um, and then also, um, we're with Fender, which we are so hyped right. to be with. Um, so they have the gym root signatures, mm-hmm. okay. um, which are great because they're compound radius. Yeah. Um, and they do have baritone models. Right now, everything they have in production is like a Squire model. Um, but they had those subsonics back in the early 2000s, and I do want to get my hands on one of those. But um, yeah, I mean, we do. We just use the gym roots, and with a good setup and the Fishman pickups, dude, we're just we're sailing. And I noticed, especially when I go from a baritone to my seven, or I go from a baritone to a six, yeah. my band plays in C, G, and A sharp. Yeah. And uh, especially from the baritone to a six, it's like, oh, here's a kid's guitar. Because <laughs> like, yeah, you got this exactly. Giant neck, and you're like, I'm playing a bass, and then you go back and yeah, it's, it's exactly. Just a weird adjustment. Do we use one guitar for the entire set, and we have one, two, three? We have four different tunings. So that's where I was going next. Is do you use drop pedals, or do you just tune in between, or I mean? So we do two different things. So. Um, the guitar is primarily in A sharp, so it's okay. A sharp, F, A sharp, D sharp, G, C. Yeah. Um, for uh, Don't Me Fade Away, Prison, um, what else in our set? I think only in this set at least, all the, all the G sharp songs are a drop pedal. Um, for songs like The River and Grave. And that's and, a G, correct? River is Yep, okay. so for songs like The River and, G, and, um, and Grave and Witness, um, what else is in that tuning? And a bunch of other songs, yeah. at least the ones that people, I think, would know the most. Uh, so that is still in A-sharp, but you chop the top string down to a G, uh, which is okay. cool because it can give you this, um, and there's a couple other bands that use it, but, um, you know, guitar-wise guitar speaking, like, when you're in, you know, drop D or drop A-sharp or whatever, like, everything is based around, like, an open D chord, you know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. So when you drop the, the top string to G, everything becomes based around a B minor, um, and it just opens up the possibility for all these different chord shapes and you can use a lot of cool open strings on the bottom and Extended range stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, and it also makes <clears throat> makes riffs sound insane uh, Because you can get to higher notes without doing such an insane stretch. Yes, so the low riff is like, you know, it, it's it takes the place over the course of like maybe four or five frets but because the tuning is so weird and that and that's the next thing is F and that is low Right. Yeah, okay. low and uh, Johnny Cash, uh, and who I am. So that is guitars in A sharp, top strings in F. So it's F F A sharp, D sharp, G C, and basically. So now you have octaves there. Um, so I'm really only playing like the top three strings on that riff, but it sounds like it's just this. Yeah. And so it like opens up a lot of creativity um, for me as a writer to uh, sit down with a guitar and not play like just your standard drop tunings. Like oh here I go eight, ten, twelve, thirteen, like all the stuff I would normally do. It just opens up so many different notes and allows you to create intricate riffs like low or like who I am. Like that riff like jumps three octaves in the first four notes. It's like, like it's like four octaves immediately. Um, and it just kind of opens up that kind of stuff to make, this is kind of like a head turner riff, basically. Okay, definitely. And is this something that you came up with on your own, or is this something you adopted from from somebody else? There's different bands that do it. Uh, I know Bring Me did the G thing for a while. Okay. Uh, I think Architects did that, but they do it in a different um, they do it in a different uh, key than us. Um, what other bands do it? Um, Nothing More does it. Uh, really? And A, yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's it's becoming like a widely used thing, but it's probably a lot less maintenance. Yeah, and, and it helps for that too, right. and that's why we have such a thick string on top. Like, we don't need an eighty gauge for A sharp, but we need it for F. Exactly. So, and we just don't 
have guitar changes at this point just okay. due to personnel. So. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Cool. Do you have any questions? Um, no, I mean, I'm drums. Okay. Electronic music. So. Oh, sick, man. Uh, which we actually is, noticed that. This is his department. It is. <laughs> you were you were sleeping in the car when it happened. There. No, actually, you were up by then. Uh, There's just. I think it's the line. No, it's the one after the line. There's a. You guys decided to use some dubstep. Oh, uh, uh, Fury. Was it in Fury? It might have yeah. been in Fury. What? What was behind? Because I don't recall. I mean, there's a lot of electronic-ish sure. things in your music before. Sure. Um, but that was like a, a straight hybrid of, of another genre completely put into yeah. songs. So. I mean, I didn't, really, I didn't really think of it as dubstep. Maybe it is. Uh, I just kind of wanted to... So originally there was a guitar solo over that part. Okay. Uh, and we just kind of got to it and it was just like way too metal. It was just like... <laughs> it was just like I felt like we like... Said, I mean, it's a great solo, but like... I feel like by the time the solo was over, like my hair was long and I like had gained a hundred pounds and I had a big old beard. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So yeah, and actually at the end of that has the solo like chopped up over the end of it. But we just wanted to make something that made people's head turn basically. So it's like down, like crazy. Yeah, dubstep. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I see that. Yeah, I see that now. But yeah, I just wanted to make something like off time. There's like triplet hits in there. There's like different stuff that's just like. Again, something different that maybe some people haven't heard yet. You know what I mean? Sure. So, just heavy part with some exciting moments. That's cool. You ever have to concern yourself with, because you can do so much in the studio. Right. You ever be like, ooh, I wonder if I can, if I can convert that to our live show for this new album? Or is that just something you're like, I'm going to do it, I'll tackle that later? Yeah, it's, it's mainly more that. There really hasn't been anything we haven't been able to do yet. Um, and I'm pretty conscious of what is, is able to be done and not mm-hmm. able to be done within right. the realms of a live show whether that's guitar or vocals or um drumming or whatever it is but we're usually pretty good about i mean I, i'm 90 percent sure we can play all of our songs live i think at some point we have played every single yeah. song that we have live um but yeah i mean it's just it's working it out and i feel like there's always a way to do it these days with technology and right guitar sure. stuff yeah, and tracks, just, yeah like you can you can you can reproduce basically anything on the record if you want so yeah okay uh personal because I'm I'm in a similar boat as far as in my band I sing and I play guitar, but I'm Great. I'm starting to get more comfortable with it as it goes on. Uh-huh. I've always been a good singer, I've always been a good guitarist, never been able to do both. Okay. And you clearly have conquered that realm. Oh, thanks. So I'm trying to figure out like what advice you might have for me as far as because my biggest issue is multitasking. That's why I'm not a drummer. Yeah. If I'm I sit on a drum set, I'm playing the the, the kick drum the same as the snare, the same as the yeah. cymbal. Like I can't. Uh, I can't compartmentalize everything into its own pattern, and that's what I end up finding out when I'm singing and playing guitars. Yeah, I'll you know I'll have a transition riff, and I'll almost sing as that riff is going to go, or I'll yeah play as I'm you know. So it's, it's dude, a I'll challenge. be I'll be 100 with you. The reason I can do that is because I was such a big Bullet for my Valentine fan. Okay, dude, I learned I learned the Poison front to back. I learned Screaming and Fire front to back. Hell yeah. I would just literally, like, my parents would be at work and I would, like, get home from school and I would just crank my amp and crank speakers and learn how to play everything and just force myself to get that, like, right brain, left left brain thing. And thankfully, we don't really have anything that complicated that's sure. going on while I'm playing. Um, but, yeah, dude, I, I literally just forced myself to do it and it's, like, weird at times. And even some of this new stuff, because when we wrote it, like, you know, we weren't in a, we weren't in a room playing the songs together. Um... So, like, there's some stuff that I've had to, like, um, learn how to 
to do live and it's like there's some stuff that's kind of all over the fretboard or just like certain hits and like rhythmic stuff mm -hmm. um so yeah it, it's like it's a process but um you know you it's just just practice makes you perfect just, yeah unfortunately yeah. it's just thrown in you're the gonna fire. suck a lot before you you just waiting for an easy answer yeah of course like, yeah. like, a, so uh, like all millennials two, do we, we want the two easy two tylenol and vitamin c okay. packet every day got it <laughs> got it um Tell me about the the bill of this tour because that's a it's a pretty all star cast you've got. Yeah, dude, it's lit. It. Sorry for saying that. Yeah, uh, dude, we, 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 it's explicit. Say whatever you want, that. dude. Yeah, no, I just <laughs> don't want to be known as the guy that says lit. Oh, it's we lit. we always say it's <laughs> like, lit. <laughs> my friends made fun of me for that for months. So really? That's funny that you even said that. <laughs> I think I say it out of irony now because it's like yeah, so overdone. Yeah, that's how it started for me That's lit, bro. That's literally. Yeah, dude, we are incredibly psyched on this package. Mm -hmm. um, when this tour started being talked about, um, like early March, we kind of no, normally the way that uh, tours work is there's like a submission list of bands sure. that you know it's like wage wars going out in this time frame and who wants to go basically. Um, so before we even did that, like we knew like Polaris was like this band is coming out with us, like and, whatever. And there's whatever always we it's always a misnomer. Do the bands. Do the headliners get to pick, or do the agencies work those out? And I think it's kind of half and half. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, no, I mean, we we have picked every single tour we've ever done, awesome. and picked our bands. Um, Dayseeker, we got um, we got to know them last year in 2018, mm -hmm. um, and uh, great. I saw you both at Warped Tour. Both yeah, Dayseeker and you guys. Yeah, yeah, dude, a phenomenal band. Mm -hmm. The new album is just next level. Yeah. Um, and uh, dude, they just I really wanted them on too, and I also. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of having a tour that's not the same band four times. Right. Because uh, I want diversity in a show. And maybe in, an, in another world, I, I can expand upon that in a cooler place. Right. But for now, I think that we have four incredibly uh, amazing bands that have their own thing and do it well. Uh, and same with Like Mods. I've been listening to Like Mods for years, dude. Ohio's own. So yeah, there, dude. There. Like, such a Like Mods fan. And um, when they agreed to do it, dude, we were just so psyched. And, like, being able to see them every night and, like, hear my my jams like yeah. so sick and they're they're all great guys dude this has been the easiest tour any of us have ever done like the the show runs early every single night okay which never happens right like right. just a lot of camaraderie <clears throat> yeah. yeah and just good times good hangs and uh everyone helps each other and uh it's just an easy going show with a lot of good hangs which is exactly what tour should and be. i was excited because it, you know i've been following you guys i think since blueprints but um you you uh you haven't hit the Cleveland metro area as often as, as yeah. I wish, and it's not your fault. I understand how these things work. Yeah. Um, but you were at Warp Tour over there at Blossom Music Center before, and you, uh, I saw you at, I've seen you twice now at Rock on the Range now, Sonic mm -hmm. Temple. Um, so I did get my fix, but I was so excited that you guys hit hit Cleveland finally. I can't remember, do you know the last time you were here as far as being um, in the city? We played... Cleveland House of Blues uh, with Parkway and The Word Alive. Oh, oh man, that, that would have been an insane bill. Yeah, that I was, was there for that. that was 2017, that. I think. Okay. Um, that was awesome. I love Parkway Drive. Dude, we so had such a great. blast, man. Yeah. And I think we also might have played it on um, ABR in 2015. Uh, okay. Other than so that, it's been pretty few and far between, which is yeah. And then other than the, other than the here. warp dates, and, and then we. We played the Foundry uh, in 2017 on our first headliner. The Foundry, okay, so right across the street. Yep, pretty cool. That was um, insane. You guys played with August Burns Red in 2015. Mm -hmm. I was there for that too. Where That's funny. I haven't even think about. It. Yeah, it's amazing. We were just, we were just some babies. <laughs> we were so green. Yeah, but the, the real ones knew. 
Yeah. Um, I was looking at your tour bus out there, this bandwagon. I, I haven't seen those. Tell yeah. me, is that a Dude, they're is that great. They're, um, they're great for bands that aren't ready to spend a bunch of money on a bus yet, and uh, but want to travel in comfort. And uh, that was us. We've been living in a van for five years, and this tour finally allowed the um, the means for us to, to do something a little bit more comfortable. We also have uh, more crew than we've ever had, and we honestly just couldn't do the van on this tour. Yeah, um, logistically not possible. Logi- yeah, we have like nine people rolling with us, okay. and we have a 12-passenger van. Okay. And, dude, trying to do these drives and, like, get a hotel and then get up and then get to the thing in, in time wouldn't happen. Uh, we don't have a big enough trailer because we brought lights. So there was a lot of reasons that we needed to do it, but... Uh, dude, it's been so nice. Like we've worked so hard. We did Warp Tour 2016 in a van Oof. and drove ourselves. Man, that sucks. Yeah. And then the thing about Warp Tour is you're you're with what is it like 40, 50 bands, whatever yeah. it is, yeah. and and you you see some of these other guys that are living the nines with their giant buses, and yeah. I mean that's probably motivation enough for you to be like, all right, let's fucking go. Dude, I yeah. We're, and and we've just we've always been about the grind mentality. You know, like mm-hmm. being in a band is. Is no one ever joins a band because they want to get rich. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. I want to survive. That's success to me. And thankfully, we've been able to navigate that over the past couple of years because we make smart decisions as far as like, all right, we're doing this tour in the band. We're doing this. We're doing this. We're doing this. Um, and uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I would definitely put myself at like living the dream right now because I just get to sleep in a bunk every night. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's all relative. It, it is all relative, you know, like I might not be making a bunch of money and have my own house and all that stuff, but I do. You're I doing what to, you love. I, think I do. I'm doing valuable. what I love and I can pay my bills every month and that yeah. is what is most important to yeah. me. Uh, and then obviously like I just get to meet people that, you know, are stoked on, on what we do and to get to hear the stories of how our songs like have affected people is even more important to me. So at the end of the day, yeah. it's just the payoff is not financial it's it's here you know sure I mean? and on that note i think a lot of and this isn't to say your other two albums weren't this way because yeah. they are but i think just listening to your to pressure back to back a few times there's a lot of i don't want to use angst that's not the right word but there's a lot of um there's a lot of emotions yeah. a lot of a lot of different stories and it seems like i'm an emotional guy yeah well we all are <laughs> guys whether we admit it or not yeah like that's what makes good music it though. does yeah and i think what when I write, I'm very much writing as a cathartic way to get out my my coping mechanism, so to yeah. speak. And it sounds selfish, but it's more ignorant than anything. Is I don't really write thinking, oh my god, maybe this person will connect with it. Like I am, I'm yeah. writing for me. But then when someone else comes and says, this is this is like how I feel, then you're like, whoa, like that's your yeah. moment, existential like. Yeah, uh, I can't believe I just did that. You know, so yeah, a hundred percent. I think uh, I think the beauty of of wage war lyrics thus far, like I write a majority of the lyrics uh, and music, and I think that the beauty of it is like I, I write it for myself, um, but it's just amazing how many people are are going through the same thing that you are, and I think there's you know there's hope in finding um, songs that like exact like the darkness that you're in. Yes. So. For instance, like Stitch or Low, like there is zero hope in both of those songs. It's just like I'm in a bad spot. That's mm-hmm. literally what right. this, but both of the songs are. And the amount of people that have like come up to you and been like, you know, Low, literally like, you know, that's how I feel. Ironically, yeah, it's like it's how, it's how I feel. Or like yeah. I was gonna kill myself and then I listen to that song and that's that's a heavy that's thing to heavy. hear from somebody. Yeah. Right. But it's it's the fact that you're not alone, and I think that that is what has. 
uh, most important in Wage War lyrics for me is I feel like if I'm honest with myself and honest with the music that we put out, um, you know, I, I don't think that we have the most poetic lyrics. I don't think like some bands are great at writing like really cryptic like and now like analogy. not only that's what Wage War is about. I mean, it's if you not, look at the name of the band, it's such a direct. It's very direct, and that's something. and that's what all our lyrics are. I mean, right. it's just like yeah, we try to make them rhyme, but other than that, like it's just like this is it. Like this yeah. is this is how I feel. This is where I'm at. And I'm on the table. Just, yeah, and and I feel like it just resounds with people because it's just. It, it's it's just so common, like all the all the issues that we talk about. I mean, we talk about everything from, you know, anxiety to, um, you know, to, to being away from home. Like, Ghost is a song about you know us being on tour and you know just being away from family, friends, missing funerals, weddings, like deaths. Like like we've been we've been away for so many important things that it just feels like sometimes that you just roll into a family gathering and it's just like I, I feel like a I stranger. Mean, you're a stranger, yeah, yeah. exactly. But like military people have hit me up and been like dude this song resounds with me so hard and it's just like yeah. it just goes to show that you know and I also try to write lyrics generally like I don't want to make it so specific that I'm like using names and stuff but it's sure. just like something that everyone can be like man like yeah I've, I felt that way really when cool. you don't have to be a musician or me in the military like you can just be a person and feel like you know everywhere I go I just I yeah. feel like nobody so that's really cool yeah uh, rest of the 2019 and on. What are we uh, as fans now? What are we, you know, hoping for, expecting as far as, you know, what different tour like going, going to Europe possibly, or are you doing other yeah, things? Yeah. So announced, we have. Um, so this tour ends November 1st. Uh, we have the rest of the year off. Uh, our guitarist Seth is getting married. Uh, Tell him congratulations. November 10th, I will. So uh, we're all in that. So that'll be a nice little fiesta. Um, we have. Thanksgiving and Christmas off for the first time in five years, which is going to be really That's nice. Awesome. So we'll get yeah. to be with our families and um, all that good stuff. We start the year off in uh, Europe and UK and do a headliner, and that is literally all that I can talk about right now. So, but you got a well, smile on your face. You got yeah. something cooking. Yeah, dude, we got some. We got some really cool stuff coming up, and um, dude, it's going to be you know this year. This has been a really light year for us just because of doing the record, and we wanted to save what we have until this tour. Sure. So we've tried to stay out of the States. We did Europe. We did Japan. We did Hawaii. Like we did basically every other thing that we could do other than the States. States right. um, so, I mean, next year is just going to be all about drilling the crap out of pressure into, mm -hmm. into everybody. So we're going to be on Putting tour basically. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be, we're going to be on tour all next year. And, um, we're really excited, man. We're excited to get these songs out and, be playing them live. It's been cool to see the reactions mm -hmm. thus far on this right. tour so far. So, um, all good things, man. Is, Super uh, is Seth inviting the sleeping Tesla man to his wedding? No, no. It's <laughs> so I don't know if you know the story. So Seth, uh, and you probably could tell it better than I could, but all I know is he saw somebody driving or autopiloting a Tesla sleeping yeah. and made local news, national news, whatever it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it went viral and. Uh, <laughs> Like it, it wasn't even a slanted video. He was just like, "Whoa, this is crazy!" Yeah. Like he right, didn't right. say this is weird. He didn't say this is awesome. Like, he just was like, he literally just said like, "This is crazy." Like yeah. this is weird to see. <laughs> Never seen and a guy just, sleeping like, and The Tesla army just went off, dude. Mm -hmm. And uh, some guy created like a fake Twitter and claimed it was him, and like started trying to get all this attention. And he's like still trying to do it. Um, wow. But yeah, I mean it was. Is this is the second time he's got third time he's got viral? Wow! So yeah, he's got an he's a magnet for something, dude. I told him he needs to like A and R viral videos or something. Yeah, exactly, dude. 
All right, well, I appreciate your uh, time. I know uh, you got to run. We're going to go catch Dayseeker's set. But yeah, I uh, definitely appreciate you coming on the podcast. And, yeah. Uh, you know, we'll be catching your set later tonight, and I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks, so, Doug. Appreciate no it. Thank you. So that was uh, Cody Quistad from Wage War. Uh, again, it was a great conversation and an excellent show. Uh, if you haven't already, go pick out pick up their new album, uh, Pressure, out now, everywhere you can get it. Um, phenomenal. They definitely are evolving as a band, and it's really cool to see because they're one of my favorite groups. Um, so had a great time uh, chatting with him, and uh, as always, we're out. We're out.